0: Five, four, three, two,
1: one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of inews.com.uk and the I newspaper. I've got George Belshaw with me today, as you can see, uh, to look back at the US Open quarterfinals and have a think about the US Open semifinals and see if we can't embarrass ourselves with a bit more uh, predictioning uh, I had a very good review uh, last week, or well, I can't remember exactly what week it was because I barely know what day it is. Never mind what week it is. But as you know, uh, I have a sort of self-imposed rule here, which is that if you leave a five-star review, I will always read it out. And uh, that is what Fraser did, uh, saying, Ace, Pod picked up during Wimbledon, good insight but not dull, have been listening to some of the back catalogue while waiting for new apps. It's cracking hearing how wrong you get almost every prediction. George is my favourite, and then he signs off from Borge Gelshaw, um, which is it's, it's obviously a joke that he's like saying George is my favourite, and it, you pretending to be you, um, but it's not. It's it's someone called Fraser. See? He doesn't know. I can see his name.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. There are quite a few like fantasy team names, kind of mimicking me as well i've got a bit of a it seems like people really admire calvin for his actual insight and views and there's a small corner of the internet that's starting to just like mock me for being sick on the (laughs) the fence and getting things wrong so that's
1: good i suppose i'm delighted that i can maintain my sort of uh, voice voice of reason is how someone described me in a review (laughs) recently and i took that incredibly well i was very pleased to have uh, obtained that kind of status Anyway. In my voice of reason, let's get away from this self indulgent nonsense uh, and actually talk about some tennis. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, so in the aftermath of the last set of quarterfinals, um, in which uh, Irina Savalenka made it through the semi finals, uh, as did Daniil Medvedev beating Andrey Rublev, who's now lost, that is, nine quarterfinals now for Andrey Rublev, I believe. Uh, and he has lost every single one of them. It it's scarcely seems believable. Uh, in the other two quarterfinals, uh, we had Carlos Alcaraz beating Alexander Zverev in straight sets. And comfortably, you would say, Marketa Vondrashova, uh, von the Wimbledon champion, crashing out to Madison Keys 6-1, 6-4. Of those four results, George, all in straight sets, which one of them do you think is the most instructive
0: or Interesting. Whew. That's quite a, quite a hard question, James. I, I'm not sure any of them really told me much. I don't know. I mean, I think we all know Madison Keys is one of those players who, on her day, can mix it with the best and can put people to the sword pretty well. Can um, I just say that Martina Navratilova mentioned her name in
1: a pre-tournament interview with me, and I like internally laughed and I was like, Madison Keys, yeah, right. <laughs> Turns out Martina she... knows ball.
0: <laughs> but she, I mean, she's one of those players, though Keys, that you know. In some ways, it, it, this should be feel like, oh, maybe that's quite an interesting result because you know she's not necessarily gone that deep for a little while. And but I actually think this is probably quite quite a Madison Keys tournament where I think she's got got in a bit of a street, played some decent stuff. You know, I, I've still got my doubts about where exactly over is in terms of the grand scale of things at the moment but um it's still a good result nonetheless do i think she's going to beat sabalenka and follow up by beating goff Gof or makova no that's my honest opinion Mukaver, and-, George, Mukaver. Mukaver. and as Fraser you know rightly pointed out i'm often incredibly wrong so cue madison <laughs> keys to win the title now but can I just um, say,
1: George, I think this is the first time I've spoken to you since Matteo Ronaldi beat
0: Cam Norrie, which you <laughs> categorically, categorically stated wouldn't happen. I, d- I definitely did not categorically say it wouldn't happen. I would go back through that. I said, you know, it was a winnable tie, which I then clarified what winnable means, meaning he should have a good chance of winning it, and then he got absolutely hammered. So um, I think that's on Norrie, not me, to be honest. Okay. Um, and then on the men's side, I mean, Medvedev, Generally speaking, has Rublev's number, I would say, so not learned masses about that. Uh, I guess the Zverev results just more annoying than anything from the perspective of we thought Sinner was the interesting part of that draw to potentially test Alcaraz properly and then for Zverev to beat Sinner and then kind of flop against Alcaraz sort of, it sort of sums up the men's game in some ways at the minute in that I don't see many players challenging Alcaraz and Djokovic. And, we'll, we, you know, we'll come in and talk about Alcaraz and Medvedev in a bit, but, you know, right now we're probably sitting here thinking Alcaraz is going to win that semi-final. I, I think it might be more interesting in New York. I think Medvedev is very at home here. And I said that before the tournament, which Calvin poo-pooed and said he thought Medvedev might go out early, seeing as we're picking on predictions. And I I thought, you know, he'd, he'd easily reach the semi-finals as, as his kind of proven the case but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've learnt too much about anyone from any of those results really, I've probably had most of my convictions booted in further
1: I think the Alcaraz Zverev one yeah, as you say it is almost the most disappointing because it, it had a bit of potential to be a decent match um, and just, just reading the quotes really Zverev said he was in it for a set basically he said he then started to struggle with a bit of an injury and um, which is kind of understandable, because he yeah, had an absolutely, like epic battle with Yannick Sinner, who just keeps getting in epic battles. I, I sort of wonder whether Yannick Sinner is just going to be that guy. I'm, I was trying to think of someone the other day like, who or, like I don't know, Leighton Hewitt or Marcus Bagdatis or
0: is Fabio... It has, ben... to say, has to say Andy Murray. Yeah, to
1: an extent. Um, just someone who always ends up in five setters. Uh, and, you know, then it's a coin flip. But yeah, there clearly was some fatigue on Zverev's side, and you kind of expect that. Um, look, I don't want Alexander Zverev at the top of the game. He's got multiple, like, pretty serious domestic abuse allegations against him. Um, it, it's not great for the game when those go kind of unanswered, I suppose. Or, mm. or you know, <laughs> funnily enough, it reminds me of a case that's going on in France at the moment, which isn't the same uh, crime. Basically, a guy who's just been called up to the rugby squad. Uh, was convicted of uh racially motivated assault a couple of years ago. And he's appealing it. He admitted the assault, but is contesting the raci- racially motivated element of it. And he has been found guilty, but is appealing his conviction. And they've called him up to the World Cup squad. And the coach and the captain don't seem to have any problem with this. And the president is trying to just sort of make it go away. And, you know, I, I do think that sport, and, you know, it comes up when we talk about Mason Greenwood, um, and everything that's gone with him um, in the last couple of months, I think sport has a responsibility to hold people to a much higher standard, and they can't just live and die by the innocent or proven guilty. Oh, he's appealing it. Oh, well, you know, he's we're not. It's not been completely dealt with yet. And I think you know, with the, some of the Zverev stuff, where investigations took an awful long time, where there was a lot of toing and throwing, it's like similarly damaging to the sport to have someone who's got all this stuff hanging over them doing so well. That said, Alexander Zverev also brings an interesting, and I'm not kind of reducing one by talking about the other, uh, an interesting tennis element to the top ten because I think he's a player unlike maybe any other. Like I've always thought of him as a bit of a Medvedev because he's like quite reliant on that enormous serve. I guess he's a bit less um, resilient than Medvedev at the baseline, um, but you know he does provide another element, and he has been in Grand. I mean, he basically should have won a Grand Slam. Like No no question, actually. He should have won a Grand Slam uh, the US Open 2020. So, am I glad he's back? No. Do I think it makes tennis a little bit more interesting, him playing? Begrudgingly, yes. Um, And and I think, George, if there is anything to take away from that Alcrad Zverev result, the fact that Zverev was there, I think, means he is back. And, you know, I can't remember which Harry Potter film it ends with. Him contributing his back. <laughs> um, that's that's basically how I feel about it at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean he he must be you know he was already kind of top ten in the live ranking before this tournament, so I assume he's consolidated that pretty well. I mean I'd I'd expect him at the ATP finals to be honest. I think he's playing some decent stuff on the whole coming through. He's some... Eighth in the race at the moment. Yeah. Um. So you know as long as that injury the reference isn't anything too problematic and Mm. you know again as you say james putting all the all the issues aside he's done well from a physical and purely sporting perspective to put that injury behind him and kind of get over that i I think probably a large part of it was confidence of movement you know as much as anything an injury like that he's done well to kind of get that behind him and start playing some decent stuff and you know, we we spoke a bit at the start of the year about whether the game had kind of passed him by, I think was Calvin's favourite phrase. You know, mm. you take a year out, What do you actually come back and find your way back in? And I don't think it necessarily has, but I think Alcaraz is punctuating that he is leaving everyone else behind. And I still, you know, going into these final four, I still think there'll be a moment in the next year where he will leave Djokovic firmly behind. I do think that's going to happen. Um, I think their matches are close at the minute, but I I think Alcrest should be winning them already, like in terms of the weapons and ability he's got. And the more he plays those matches, the more I sort of expect him to get on top. Even though Novak is obviously a brilliant match player, I'm just i expecting Alcrest's improvement trajectory to kind of continue. So I think that's a worrying sign (laughs) for the tour that he's killing players like Zverev that easily. And if he does it to Medvedev again, then You are a little bit worried about where the tour goes (laughs) once Novak Can I just
1: raise uh, an issue that I noticed? Someone pointed it out previously, and uh, I I noticed it particularly watching last night. Um, Carlos Alcraz has got a really long grunt, and, Mm. like, particularly when he's hitting a big forehand, it is particularly long, and it often, you know goes from, and it made me think of the Djokovic hindrance at uh, Wimbledon? It was Wimbledon yeah, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, which was, which I have to say, and I think all right-minded people were like, it's a stone-cold hindrance. Yeah. Um, And I have to say, there are a couple of, like, one Alcraz winner in particular where he hit it down the line and went very early and, like, I think someone, if it wasn't Zverev, I think they might have got there. And he there are a couple of times when he hits a big forehand, especially sort of later on in the point where I'm just like, mate, that is like, I, I just think he needs to rein it in a little bit. Mm. Uh, and I think hopefully a good umpire would probably just lean down and go, Fellow, you're just a little bit close there. Like just, just, you know, rein it in. Um, but I think what's different is Djokovic doesn't really do it very often. And I think with Alcaraz, it's, you know, it's it'd become a kind of trait of his game. It's those big Yahs and, you know, I'm just worried it's going to happen at a really big moment.
0: Yeah, the the frequency for me is what makes this call the most difficult thing. Because, you know, you could pick out people like Azarenka or Sabalenka, you know, they are incredibly loud and they make quite often elongated long runs, but they're doing it so consistently that actually... It doesn't feel so targeted as when Djokovic, who doesn't do it very often, suddenly starts doing a massive grunt, a large point after it. So, you know, my my kind of view is it would be good if they were eliminated more, <laughs> full stop. But in a uh, in lack of that world, you know, players who do it more often will probably keep getting away with it more often. Do you think?
1: Mm. Interesting. I mean, I think
0: before the
1: tournament is out. I think we're going to have a big Carlos Lagras hindrance call. Like that's my predi- that's my prediction for would, a, a bust up.
0: I think it would it would need to be in a big match for it to be a uh,
1: well. They're all big matches. Now, they're you all big the matches. But I, so,
0: but yeah, but I, I'm still yet to believe that. While I think Medvedev might be better at this one, I'm still yet to believe that's necessarily going to be a five set ding dong. You know, those calls are always more interesting when it's a tight match that it feels like it turns it one way or another. So it feels like there's one match at the moment on paper where that could potentially happen and that'd be Novak. Um not to write off Ben Shelton, by the way, uh, who's having a brilliant tournament and, you know, picking that <clears throat> section where he talked about TFO and Tommy Paul being the Americans we thought should come through and he's he's taken them both out.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's a nice way to segue into um Ben Shelton, George, who of course I interviewed uh Predict because I, I knew that this would be his talk I, I interviewed him in the summer and then held it back because I knew that this was the time I wanted.
0: Anyway. That's top tier to right there.
1: Let's say that's the truth. Um, but it's interesting. I saw someone and I wish I could credit this opinion and I can't because it just was on a timeline somewhere and it's gone. But anyway, I remembered it. it might even be on Reddit. Someone pointing out that Denis Shapovalov had maybe at Wimbledon given. Uh, Djokovic, a bit of trouble, and that in terms of kind of game archetype, Shapovalov is not far off um, Novak Djokovic, uh, Ben Shelton. Uh, I'm
0: just trying to find the specific match they're talking about. Well, I mean, he's taken the set off him twice. Yeah, but he, <clears throat> I remember the match. <clears throat> he, he did take the set and he had a lot of chances in, I think, the second or the third set. Where he basically brain farted on big points, and he was mm. kind of smashing Djokovic off the off the court, and then missed some really uh, easy kind of short court balls, which some will put down to Djokovic just making him play one more, others will put down to just a lack of concentration in the kind of key moments. But yeah, the point still stands. They're they're both kind of quite high energy, fascinatingly large shot-making players, if you like. Um, and lefties, and with a big first serve, yeah. you know. Well, Shelton, was I right in saying that Shelton, he hit the fastest serve of the tournament, didn't he? I think he Twice. clocked something like 149. One, two, he it? hit two one four nines uh in
1: a, I perfect, mean, that's quick. <laughs> yeah, in a perfect game against Tommy Paul. Um, it was, I mean, look, I've seen it up close at the French, and, you know, I, maybe we should get Henry Patton on to talk about trying to return it, because he was... Obviously, playing doubles against him at the French, but like it is serious. I mean, Calvin talks much better about it. Neither of us ever could read really, mm. the technical stuff, but he talks about the big knee bend and the athleticism involved in it. And I think it's pretty hard to read as well. Like, I mean, it's doing one hundred forty nine mile an hour. It probably doesn't matter if you can read it, but it's it is absurdly big. And you know, I I think. Much as Djokovic is the the second or maybe the best returner of all time, um, if someone with a serve like that has a day, you know, one of those days for two or two and a half hours, it there's not a lot you can do about it. I think the challenge for Shelton, I, I don't know, and I kind of said this the other day, the challenge for him against Djokovic, it's just going to be the mental thing. It's just going to be the playing Djokovic. It's the first time he's played Djokovic. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that. Um, but certainly the first time he's played him in the US Open, on Arthur Ashe, like, you know, the 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 thing that, to counter myself, Shelton's looked bloody comfortable and he looks like he loves being out there and like, you know, the big, like, put the phone down celebration, which I don't totally understand the context of because he's, <laughs> he's 15 years younger than me and I'm now out of the range where I can understand these people. But, like, he seems to really relish it. And I don't know why that is, he's just a remarkable character um and you know I want the Djokovic Alcaraz final I think everyone does but if it's the Alcaraz Shelton final I I mean I think you look at that and go hello like this is the next 15 years of us isn't it Shelton Alcaraz
0: yeah i mean i'm really pleased that shelton's put together this kind of big big run here because actually his um his tour season's been a bit up and down, I would say, and I think you know hasn't won kind of consecutive hard. matches since the Australian Open before the year. So yeah, up and down is definitely right, <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, to say that. Um, so you know, the, he, he, we've all thought he's kind of a hugely talented, interesting, fascinating player with a lot of big shots. As you say, James, he is the sort of player who, on paper, could cause Novak problems in terms of if he can just. If he plays his game properly and goes a loose arm, hits big serves, takes things quickly, he's quick around the court. He's got everything on paper to cause Novak a lot of problems and kind of hit through him. It's just about does he, you know, you're saying "Mm, playing him for the first time can be really challenging. It can work the other way. You know, he doesn't have any scar tissue. He's not faced Novak enough times that he's going to get lured in. That doesn't often happen. I know we're all going to say about it that.
1: can, but like, it almost never does.
0: Well, yeah, I think Sissipas might have beaten Djokovic in one of his first two attempts, for example, and lost 10 in a row. You know, I'm not saying it's a okay. different kettle of fish at Grand Slams, but I think you've got more of a chance, and it is still a fairly slim chance either way, of upsetting Novak when he's he's not that comfortable. He doesn't really feel like he, he knows what to expect, and Shelton's kind of got that game. Um, maybe so- Almost, you know, I don't think they're exactly alike, but kind of, I think of Vavrinka quite often, that sort of explosive player who can take the racket out of your hands that Novak has traditionally sometimes not had an answer for. Um, And if he catches him on one of those days, you never know. I still expect Novak to reach the final. I still expect Alcaraz to reach the final. and I still expect that to go for around five hours on a Sunday night UK time. But we shall see. It could be be an interesting final four i think it's a good final four isn't it i mean you can't really complain you've got two young guys like one guy who we still should be kicking around for another five years and one of the greats of the game you can't ask for much more Mm. than that i don't think and an
1: american which i think is really important i know we've got two americans in the women's semis as well but you know uh for for the millions of americans who still have espn on their cable package (laughs) because this dispute between spectrum and disney is still going on um over a some sort of rate rise that is far too complicated and I don't understand American cable at the best of times but millions of people in America literally can't get ESPN on their telly uh, which at the beginning of the NFL season and the baseball season pinching point like, it's it's not funny
0: but no. uh, quite remarkable well look if if the winners of these tournaments are Coco Goff and Ben Shelton I suspect that might be uh, changing yeah might might do, some,
1: might do some might for that I reckon. <laughs> um let's me ask for you further there that, uh, that, that. Let me ask for your predictions, George. Mm. Uh, for these two semis, then I'm going to need scores, not
0: scores, but insects. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think Alcaraz and Djokovic are going to win the matches. Mm. I-, I fancy Medvedev to make more of a fist of it, which I suppose isn't that hard given his previous effort. But I-, I think these conditions suit him infinitely more than Wimbledon. And Probably any other court they've played on, I can't remember every court they've played on, but th- this is one where Medvedev feels very comfortable, and I think yeah, that is showing. Even though you know he had a bit of a tough time in the heat against Rublev, he's still mopping that up in straight sets, despite his kind of complaints of death, um, which I'm not downplaying by the way. You know, it did look <laughs> pretty rough conditions. Um, so I, th- I think he'll have to work for that, Alcaraz. I think four sets, um, but I think it, it could be a long, long match and test. And Djokovic. But- I think Djokovic probably wins in three, to be honest. Um, I, I, I hope I'm wrong and Shelton at least takes a set. But I'd expect Novak to kind of look after his own serve, win a tight tie break, maybe catch Shelton a bit cold in the second set when he's disappointed <laughs> at losing the first and just have that now to kind of ride the match, even if it might be a tight straight set.
1: I was very close to the exact same prediction as you, George, but I think they're both going to be four sets think Shelton's going to nick one. Just usually tiebreaks I'd be like yeah Djokovic tiebreak city. Um but I think the serve is so big that he could potentially take it out of like cuz the whole thing about Djokovic in tiebreaks for anyone who's watched enough of him is he goes into lockdown mode as as people often call it where he just doesn't miss ground strokes and hits good length but not great length and just makes you do something. And you get tight. I don't know how he does it. Jedi mind tricks, I'm sure of <laughs> it. Uh, but he does. And I just think with Shelton, with the serve, he could stop. He's The only thing that could stop Djokovic doing that is hitting absolute bombs. And I think if he just gets in a rhythm, that might be that. But we'll see. Uh, let's move on to the women's side. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the results from last night, yesterday, well, I can't really work out the times, uh, Savalenka beating... beating what I'm reliably informed is Chung. Um, yeah, I've, I've been working on my Chinese pronunciations this week. All the people I used to think called Wang are in fact called Wong. Uh, I mean, I'm sure also because Chinese is such an intonation-based language. I'm still getting it wrong, but I'm doing that. <laughs> uh, and um, Von Drusheva uh, beaten by Keys to set up a semi-final lineup that is French Open finalist Coco Goff against French Open finalist Karolina Mukhova. Australian Open champion, Arena Sabalenka, against the US Open finalist. Yes? Yeah. I, I always get Off. confused. Keys was the 2017 loss to Sloane Stephens, right? Yeah. Okay. I get confused between her and... Is it Jen Brady who lost Naomi Osaka? And Daniel Collins. I get confused between Daniel Collins' Australian Open final and Madison Keyes' US Open final. That's right. Collins lost to Barty, I think. Yes, that makes sense. Anyway, point being, we've got four Grand Slam finalists in the semi-finals of the U.S. Open, which I think merits some praise. We give the women's game a lot hard time on here sometimes, and I think this is a proper semi-final line. It's not the one really any of us would have expected, but I think there's I think there's some serious kind of I think there's some grit in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean. It's... Sabalenka to start with the kind of easy narrative I suppose from from her side is that you know this is a player who's always threatened to be the best women's player in the game I, I remember some years ago on Osaka's debut kind of US Open win she played Sabalenka in the fourth round and that was billed as two players who could absolutely dominate the women's game going forward and they played a fabulous, fabulous match, which Osaka narrowly edged. And then Osaka kind of went on to this period of dominance on the hardcourts. And Sabalenka, I wouldn't say didn't, but she took a different route. You know, she's been very consistent at tour level. You know, for all the criticisms we can level at many other players in the women's game, Sabalenka, broadly speaking, has been a top five player, top eight player for the last five years I would say um, mm. without looking closely um, and what she's changed this year is just that extra bit of belief at the biggest events and that's shown that she's reached the semi-finals of all Grand Slams. she's obviously won the Australian Open you know she'll, she'll have feelings of regret about the French Open semi-finals I'm sure um, but she she'll be world number one after this tournament which you know is a good Achievement in itself, and she's probably feeling pretty good about her chances of winning this from this position. Um, as you know, hopefully, she should be given she's played such good tennis all year. Uh, and, it, and it's nice to see, her. I think she's a good character, she's interesting, she plays a big hitting game. While you know, maybe poke fun at her, her noises a bit earlier in the tournament, you do remember watching Sabalenka, you know, she is a good player to go and watch. Um, and yeah, I think the idea of a Sabalenka golf final would be a good one for her to be introduced to a big American audience, for example. Um, not that she's not introduced in some <laughs> degrees, but, you know, Goff in the US Open final will bring a lot more people than would otherwise be there yeah, uh, with a the great sort of respect sure. to Mukova.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't think Sauerlenka's been a top player for five years, um, but she has been a top player for three, certainly, um, and been a top 10 player for four. But, yeah. you know, the the point I think probably stands... It's easy to forget, and I had to check, but she made a Wimbledon semi final two years ago, and was a set up and basically chucked it away because, frankly, she bricked it it's against like Pliskova. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't. It, was a... it wasn't pretty.
0: <laughs> Neither was the final, by the way. No, no. But <laughs> as
1: semi finals goes, I do remember looking at that Pliskova Srebotnik one and being because obviously women's semi finals is Thursday. I think they were first on. I did look at it and think. I might go for quite a lot of drinks on Wednesday because I don't think I'm going to be getting there that early on Thursday. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's by the by, just my unprofessionalism. Um, but yeah, she, you know, she has since made all bar of so since that semi-final, including that semi-final, she's made out of nine grand slams. She's made at least a semi-final in seven of them. Like that is really, really top level consistency. Uh and yeah, really, really hard to argue with as as you mentioned, George. It's also worth noting as well, by the way. She's won two Grand Slam doubles titles. I know she's basically stopped playing Grand Slam doubles, but like she did she did have a, a doubles career out there as well. So let's not forget about doubles, George. It's important. Always. Um the the goth of the match, I, I said this to Pippa yesterday and I think we kind of agreed uh that it could be a really interesting little matchup with Everything that Coco Goff's done with the forehand and that both she and Brad Gilbert insist nothing has changed, but the reality is it has. Um, there is more racket head speed and more speed off the racket, so they've clearly worked on it. And I think is going to provide the perfect little challenge, just you know slicing and dicing her way in there, really trying to sort of surgically um, pick out those potential errors in uh, in Goff's game, but I don't know, maybe you think she'll just blow through her and it, it won't be a problem, George.
0: No, I, I think it'll be a good match. Um, I, I agree with that analysis. I think Goff definitely has weapons and athleticism on her side in this match, I would say. Um, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of Muka and I think she's a good competitor and makes. You know, she'll stick around in there and make things difficult. And she... She's no stranger to upsetting big home favourites. Um, beating Ash Barty famously the Australian Open. Um, you know I, I I wouldn't expect her to be overawed, even though that crowd can be a particularly challenging one compared to uh others around the tour. Um, so I think that'll be a good little match. I I I picked Guff, obviously in my fantasy team, and you know it was hard not to pick her given the form she was in coming into this tournament. I think it would be such a good result for Goff to win this match, as much as I like. With a US Open with a finalist who's American, with the stature of Goff and the star power that comes with it, if this is the start, or you know, more accurately, after Wimbledon has been the start of Coco Goff's final light switch on moment in terms of crushing it at the elite level of the women's game, um, th- this could be the start of something very, very big and beautiful for women's tennis um and you know uh, we've all had a bit of a downer on golf i think for the first six months of the year because it felt like this moment might not come but it's within our grasp of excitement which is often when women's tennis takes it away so um sort of the opposite of the al pacino effect you know just when
1: i think (laughs) i'm away they pull me back just when i think i'm in they pull me away
0: um I'd still probably fancy Savalenka to win the tournament from here. And I'd probably rank Goff as my second favorite. You know, it does feel slightly like the stars could be aligned for Goff. She's mm. found a flow on home soil. I don't think she'll be massively phased by it. And you know, things like Sviontek getting blown away by Ostapenko, who then plays one of the worst matches of, a, actually probably isn't one of the worst matches of her life, probably a fairly standard set of Ostapenko results, really, <laughs> via, the fourth round and the quarterfinals. Um, you know, things like that is the perfect sort of player to get rid of Sviontek for her. And then, but still got that potential massive hill to climb of uh, Mukherjee and Sabalenka, I think, set, sets the uh, sets the scene quite nicely for a, a Goff finish.
1: Indeed. Um So your predictions, please, for these two semifinals then, George, and in scores. Tricky, I know.
0: Yeah, tricky. I, I think Goff-Mukherjee a three-setter. Um, I'm leaning probably more heart overhead towards Goff but I've mm. I've really I'm not saying that with much confidence. I, I could see any result in that one, which, you know, I suppose the case with any tennis match and is very fence sitting, but I do think this is a really tight one that will um ebb and flow. And then I think it's beats keys pretty comfortably, to be honest. I think Keys has that ceiling and has never quite done it in the biggest matches against the best players or even not necessarily the best players in Sloane Stephens. You know, maybe a little bit harsh, but um, I'd, I'd expect Sabalenka to be too strong for her. So I, I would see that as a six four six three something like that.
1: Even all these years later, even after all the consistency I've just cited, I still find it hard to trust Arena Savalenka. <laughs> I've just been hurt too many times before and I always backed her to win Grand Slams and when she finally won one, I wasn't on the Arena Savalenka train. And I just... I just... just got something. She just got a feeling. So that... Are you going to put goes... your money where your mouth is? with your, No, with I'm going to say Savalenka <laughs> with three. Because that's, I think, that's kind of me hedging my own gut instinct. I I actually think Goff will I think it'll be a good challenge and it might be like a close first set. But um I actually think Goff's got enough for, for Mukova. So and that one in two. But but I am hoping for that Goff savalenka I think, you know, a, a weekend of Goff Savalenka and um Alcaraz Djokovic is massive for tennis and you know that that's basically what we want to a certain yeah. extent. Is tennis That's where we're being invested, bit... isn't it, really? Well, I okay. mean, to be honest,
0: we want good finals. We want good matches. We want people to be interested in it. And we want people to listen to us. So. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I can't say fairer than that, George. And on that note, uh, I shall bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening as always. Make sure you go and leave us a review so I can read out your funny comments on air because I mostly only do it um, for five-star reviews. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who's emailed in. Lots of feedback about Sky Sports. Um, coverage of the US Open. Keep it coming. Um, we will do maybe a big debrief uh, at the end of the tournament when we've got kind of a full gamut of views. Um, but most importantly, please do come back. Chumba.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No bridge necessary. prohibited by law. 18
1: plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.